Well, that went really fucking well, didn't it? Uh, welcome to episode 159 at Mighty White's podcast. I'm Jack, as always, joined by Casey. Now that. That was pretty fucking good. <laughs> never in doubt. Yeah, never in doubt. That's certainly one way of looking at it. In <laughs> fact, another way of looking at it is to say, well, that was wonderful. A good time had by all. I'm pooped. Yeah, I really should be. Good Lord, what is happening over there? Leads are staying up. <laughs> In that part of the country, localised entirely within Legoland. <laughs> so, yeah, mate, how did that feel? Stressful. Very, very stressful. Um, anytime the... I know we had kind of people in the pub with us providing the early updates on Newcastle, but any time the score update graphic went on the screen, it was like a dagger to the heart. Yeah, and that's when we knew we'd have already heard if it was in the Burnley game. Yeah. But still, every time it came up... <laughs> oh, it was, it was hard, and it was gut-wrenching, and then, and then you see it was like Liverpool, I can't see you're like, oh, I don't give a shit about that. Yeah, who cares? I mean, I think it said a lot about the amount going on. You know, obviously, 98% of the amount of care was Leeds, Burnley. And then there was like 1% of, you are interested in who wins the league out of Man City and Liverpool. I didn't even realise Scum had got beat by Crystal Palace until about four hours later. It's so inconsequential. Yeah, because it just didn't matter. Which did, did make it a little bit annoying that Brighton beat West Ham because West Ham would have finished sixth instead of Scum, which would have been funny. But, oh well. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, I'll be honest, like, no, I have made no secret of the fact that I had no confidence going into this at all. I haven't for weeks and weeks. But they got it done. Like, I, I must admit, my, uh, my confidence went lower when I saw the team. Because... It's, it's a real last throw of the dice, is seeing Sam Greenwood playing at centre mid. Yeah, because it appeared to be a 4-1-4-1. Like, quite Bielsa-y, with Greenwood and Rodrigo as the eights, Phillips holding. And, you know, Rafinha and Harrison did actually play wide, properly. Although there was a few points where Greenwood was a bit deeper and it was like he was in centre-mid in a 4-2-3-1. But, hmm. like, when he played Lewis Bate against Chelsea, I thought, even though I was, I was fine with it as a decision, because I like him, I thought it seemed a bit of a desperate thing to do. And this was the same. I like Sam Greenwood, but it seemed like a bit of a desperate thing to do. But I thought he did really well. Yeah, it it, it went surprisingly well, considering it's not a role he's played in the first team mm. at all to, to give someone their, their full debut away from home, relegation on the line. But no, he he was definitely in the first half was the better of our central midfielders. Yeah, I am. I've seen. I've watched the game back a little bit without the stress, and Phillips was a lot better than we were giving him credit for. He wasn't great by any means, is but he wasn't. We, is it because we were shot to death with nerves every time he played a pass? Yeah, he had a run of about a few minutes where he did it like three times to get away the ball quite badly in sort of three times in about five minutes. And that, I think, got in our heads because we're so scared of giving the ball away because we're so used to just giving the ball away. And then, oh my God, it's 4-1-2. 
and I think that that got in our heads a little bit. It wasn't actually as much as it looked. Uh, oh, that's, but, that's good though, because I did when I saw like the man of the match graphics and stuff like that, I was like, really, this guy? Yeah, I mean, he he, well, he definitely wasn't man of a match or anything, but he was. I I am. Um, that's why I wanted to watch a bit of it, like try and watch the game back. One, because I'll be honest, I drank more than I normally do before the game. Although I would say that that's because the weird thing with it was I felt stone cold sober until an hour after the game finished, just due to nerves and adrenaline, and then it all hit me at once afterwards. Uh, but yeah, that was a. But it was the way we set up. It seemed to work quite well. It was a bit more Bielsa. God, I know that long term this isn't what Marsh is going to do. He will revert to type. But God, having some width helps. It's almost like that's what the squad was built for. Yeah. In many ways. Because it was. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, Rafinha gets a lot of joy out on the touchline in less compacted areas where he can yeah. then cut inside. Well, I mean, when you think of the chance, like the, the that Greenwood chance was like a little passing triangle out wide. Mm. And we hadn't seen that for ages. The, 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 the ball into Rodrigo for his chance at the start of the second half came from Rafinha mm. out wide. Yeah, and that was after the cock flick on, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, um, Sort of the other little bit of preparing Leeds fans for Gallo's humour was when you saw pre-match. Oh, Bamford did get fit in time, and now he's got COVID and he's laid in bed. And you're like, oh come on! <laughs> Will I ever play for Leeds again? Oh, I'm afraid your footballing days are over, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice to get more in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that. So everyone was sort of. I think generally, from what I could tell, the mood got more confident. Literally, once you got past that first minute where you went and nearly fucked up immediately, we did actually look all right. You know, we they didn't seem to really press us very much, so we were able to actually keep the ball. And play it around a bit. We did. I mean, I, mean I, I did worry when you see Phil Hayes tweet after the game where it just goes, "Leads to kick off, Brentford corner." It's been twelve seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we were very much in the game, and then around the twentieth minute, we almost had the perfect minute. Uh, good play from Rodrigo into Harrison. Harrison plays a really good little through ball. Gellart through. Excellent finish. As far as you can tell, in real time, it just looks like a really good goal. And the same minute, Newcastle get a penalty. Uh, for the sort of thing... You know when you just see a defender do something that you can't believe? Cross in, and Nathan Collins just punches the ball. Yep. I mean... <laughs> I don't know what... He's been Bless really good well, Because his reaction was, was to do it, and he went, oh, shit. Yeah, like there, like there wasn't even a hiding it, because like, he's just stuck his arm out at a right angle. Yeah, uh, Callum Wilson scores for pen, so it's one 0 Newcastle. And then during the celebration of them going one 0 up, we see that the goal's disallowed, and it it is offside. But it's another one of them annoying ones where he's offside by because he's leaning. 
It's yeah, his his feet are actually half a yard on side to the other way. But his arms just beyond and it I mean it is offside, it's just unfortunate. That's one of them that I'd say that was a good goal from from the players on the pitch perspective. That is, even though it it wouldn't go on stats and stuff, I'd say that was creating a good chance, good football, good finish. That's a good goal. You're just unfortunate. Um, so you got rest at half sort of goes on. It was fairly nondescript. They had some chances. They had um there was the one with the long crossfield ball that on telly everyone thought was going out of play, and then Mbumo's just there. And <laughs> all of a sudden, Junior Furpo's been nutmegged. Furpo, who I mean, honestly. I wouldn't be able to run around the other side and get there, but the way he set up, I think I could have megged him. Yeah. I wouldn't have got on the end of it, but I could have done the number. He set up to be nutmegged. Uh, pull back and can't actually, was it Jensen tried to chip Melier, but tipped it over. It doesn't matter who it was, does it? No. Let's be honest. No, and, and then the, uh, the other chance they had was uh, Liam Cooper suddenly deciding to try and dribble out from defence and just immediately losing the ball. Yeah, uh, big, that, that big, was Mbumo again. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was a uh, Liam Cooper's big touch out of defence, followed by what I thought was going to be Liam Cooper's big red card. Yeah, because it, because he goes for that recovering tackle. Unfortunately, he you know it's it's not a bad tackle. It he, he stays low and everything, but given the nerves and everything, you and the amount of times you see a player desperately lunging after a ball they've just lost like that. Yeah. I, you know, I did have that moment of, oh God, this is where the season ends. Yeah. Luckily, he didn't do that. Instead, he just gave away a guilt edge chance to Brian Burmo, who luckily appeared to be having a bad day and just dragged it well wide. Yeah. Uh, that was Very pretty much it. For, that was pretty much it for the first half. So half time, we're nil nil. Burnley nil, Newcastle won. At this point, I checked. Leeds are still odds on to get relegated. Uh, we were eight to eleven. Burnley were even money. The the decision is also made to delay uh, our kick up at the start of the second half by a few minutes so that we would start at the same time as as Burnley Newcastle as well. Yeah, because Joe Linton had, had an injury, Annie. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, second half we have the the chance you were on about before with Rodrigo, but was. Again, he wasn't great, but he he added flashes again. But yeah, good, decent chance, hits it low, or okay, save. And then uh, they just play, they play it back to Raya. Gellart's chasing him down well. He puts a bit of pressure on, but Raya's got loads of time. Rafinha, who's what, 20, 25 yards out, sees the pass coming a mile off. Yeah, he sets off before, a long, decent amount before he plays it. Raya plays it. One, it's the wrong pass. Two, he plays it badly. And that gives Rafinha time. Gets there. One-on-one with keeper. But there is like three defenders blocking as well. It would have been a difficult mm. finish. So he tries to go around him. Clear foul. Uh, no one complains or anything really. Raya's just mad at himself. Uh, and Rafinha, it's good. To... <laughs> there was a... I, I, for once in my life... I watched back one of those people filming from the crowd things because I've watched so many things to do with this game and I'd run out of the things I'd normally watch. And the way that they were describing it was like, they're going, this penalty is like 150 million quid. Like, yeah, really, and, it, and, it, and, it, and honestly, 
the thought of getting relegated because some wankers decided to do the hop, skip, and jump for a penalty run up. Like, if, if someone had run up at 60 miles an hour and belted it as hard as they could and hit the post, I can live with that. I, I can never live with anyone missing the target. On well, the well, no. But <laughs> in, in ways to miss penalties, I'd much rather it's someone clattering it as hard as they could than someone, um, as they might say in Burnley, fannying around. Yeah. But, but luckily, Rafinha has, all the, the times we've seen him take penalties, showed that his fannying around works. Because it does put the keeper off. I mean, by the time Rafinha strikes that ball into the top right corner, Raya is halfway towards the other post. Yeah. He's, sat, he's gone so early. <laughs> like, and it's an excellent penalty from Rafinha, who I think has more than shown that the people who were saying he doesn't give a shit were wrong. No, <laughs> than... at, no, at no point did I ever think he, he, was, he didn't give a shit. No, I mean, there was definitely a period when he was out of form. Yeah, he was out of form. Like, there was one game I remember where everyone thought, no, he has down tools here because he really had a bad game. And even I was like, well, that's the first time I've seen that from him. And then someone put up all the Octostats and he had the most sprints, most pressures, most tackles in that same game. Ah, And I'm like, oh, no, ah, this is. Yeah, it was one of them like, oh, no, this is perception. I am wrong. (laughs) Um, So Leeds 1 0 up. We're really now thinking. We've got a chance here. Four minutes later, Callum Wilson, 2-0. No marking, which is excellent to see. He's got the freedom of the penalty area and scores. He's got the freedom of Leeds as well. I believe this was at the point where I said on Twitter, we are now at don't fuck this up. (laughs) We're 1-0 up. Newcastle are 2-0 up. We are sorted. So Brentford have made all three subs. (laughs) Um, Christopher Ayer goes down. Yeah, Christopher Ayer goes off injured. They're down to 10 men. Brentford immediately get way better at football. I think at this point we, we've and, also got Pascal Stroik on. Yeah, I've got is it? Maxwell Corney, 69 minutes, pulls one back for Burnley. 71 minutes, I think it was, Strauch on for Gelhart. We go to a back five. So we now have a back five against 10 men. Wissa puts in a cross. And despite having an extra man and a back five, Robin Cox marking two at the far post. And when I say marking two, what I mean is he stood in between and actually marking neither. Yeah. Um... And I have now watched it back. The one who's in the middle, who's like around the penalty spot, he is with Sam Greenwood, and Sam Greenwood just switches off. And he just yeah, Sam, Sam Greenwood is not a clue. Um... Probably because he's a, basically a striker playing in central midfield. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, you can also question quite why we've got so many of our defenders over. Like, I know they bro- they originally break down the right-hand side. Because um, that's the one, I think, where, where Phillips puts in a challenge to try and stop it, but they get the advantage from it. Um, yeah. And and you the, well, see... I mean, Cooper won it off um, Burmo, but it fell straight back to him. Yeah. And then the cross. Uh, now that we've... Um... Now that we've won and it doesn't matter anymore, it's a really good header from Cano. It's a fantastic header <laughs> from Sergi Canos. Just a little bit of curl inside the post. Melier could have turned into Mr. Tickle. I don't think he was saving that. I... What do you mean, turn into? <laughs> so even longer arms. 
Yeah, it's um, a really good header. Uh, Sergi Canos, I believe that that makes him the ninth player to score home and away versus Leeds this season. Uh, we were on about we're literally on the way to the game. I I was asking KC the quiz question of who were the eight, and then he did it to make it nine. Yeah, don't ask me them again. I have forgotten. I would have to think about it to judge him back up. But yeah, one one in, in a completely and... inconsequential move. He took his shirt off. Yeah. But you don't need to remember that. It's not important. And when he first made the tackle, I hadn't remembered. But yeah, suddenly you're shitting yourself. We're 1-1. Burnley have got back to 2-1. We are... There's two separate games where we're one goal away from disaster. <laughs> <laughs> At this point. Um, but li- luckily, it was only two minutes later. Uh, ball down right. Rafinha squares up Canos. Beats him because again, Canos is a winger, not a fullback, and Canos just takes him out. Definitely second try, yellow card. Tries to appeal that it's his first foul. Yeah, it's like which it was. <laughs> he was an effective substitute. Uh, yeah, um, I, mean, I had his go because he was their second sub that came on, if I remember rightly. Mm. So he might have been on for. 15 minutes? Uh, Canos was the second one. He came on in the 63rd minute. And he was sent off in the 80th. Ooh, 17 minutes. Yeah. What a, um, what a game that is. Yeah. Goal bonus and find. Yeah. When he first made the tackle, I just went, oh, well, that's a booking. And I had forgotten that he just took his shirt off. I had But all the people around me, of course, the person most near me was you, went... He's just got booked. He's got to go. <laughs> and I had completely forgotten about the first yellow card. So he, got, so Brentford now go down to nine men. You'd think, right, we can relax a bit now. Brentford immediately, <laughs> somehow, keep breaking and having men over in attack. When we have a back five against nine men. Uh... How the hell did they look so dangerous for the next, like, five minutes? I was going to think... We've got a back five, like, surely. They only seem to have one up front as well. And I know there was runners. I think, like, how do you... Like, how do you get dragged out of position by... When they have two players less? I mean, one of those breaks was a good enough one that Calvin Phillips just had to take him out and get booked. Yeah. Because we were in serious trouble. Once that five minutes went by, we did get... They did sort of get their heads on straight. And as you should when it's 11v9... They were able to keep the ball. We did get on top after that. Uh, we weren't creating chances, really. There were mostly shots from the edge of the box, but we were back in control. Uh, they clearly had an eye on what was going on at Burnley. Uh, we had forgotten about the bit until I just saw it back early today, where the false rumour went around Brentford's ground that Burnley had equalised. <laughs> And they literally, not only did they all start cheering, they let off Pyro, did the Brentford fans. Yeah, was that, was that the... It turned out it was the that Man City had gone to all. Or something yeah, and, like that. and uh, someone had got round, or someone had just lied because it's funny. I know that that's what happened at Anfield. Uh, someone made up a rumour that Coutinho had made it 3-3. So they all went mental as well. And there was the Burnley fan on Twitter... 
that was saying one of the stewards, who I'm guessing was a Leeds fan and on the wind up, was going round in front of all the Burnley fans I'd saying walk, it's too say, the front of the stand. Yeah, saying it's two one Brentford. When it I was did, still one all. See, I also saw a a Brentford fan today saying, Christ, I hope we're never in the position Leeds were in because the reception inside our stadium is dreadful. Mm. So in, in, you, do need fairness, to, do, you do need to keep your radios with you. It's only this year we started getting enough signal to be able to refresh Twitter during the game. Yeah. Which, you know, normally I don't have to do. But I would have done if this had been at Ellen Road. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. So, 10 minutes left. We are now back in control of it a little bit. But you're still terrified. You're sort of ha- watching the game, one eye on the game, one eye on Twitter. Uh, I On Twitter, it just reads as, they've missed a big chance. I have now seen match of the day. Veghorst misses a massive chance for Burnley. Oh God, it's, it's it, again not watching it live is very much for the best because I've I've only now really looked at like I've I've got the match stats here from from that game and by the end Burnley have had twelve shots, five on target, a fifty-two percent possession. Um. It, yeah, so the, the you know the the tide had started turning in that game. Yeah, because they were because they had created nothing by half time. Yeah, you like, showed me the shot map and it was two white dots. Yeah, it was like 0.1 xg. It was like 0.1 xg or something at half time for their whole thing, and I believe that the Vegas chance that he missed came through was like sixty percent. So, like a proper, you should score. He is basically cost them a place in the Premier League. Yeah, well, no, because I'm not saying it was a bad finish for the other one. I'm just giving all the credit in the world to the best defender in Europe, Tyrone Mings. <laughs> a lot um, of time for Tyrone. Yeah. Him and Tyrone yeah. Mears as well. All the Tyrones, put them in there. Yeah. Um, later on, click comes on for Greenwood. I was very surprised at that not being the way it started, but as we've discussed it, and I think it ended up being the right decision. Uh, and then, you know, it's still 2-1 Newcastle, but there's almost nothing left. So we're thinking we're probably okay. 94th minute, some things never change. Awful corner from Rafinha. Doesn't beat the first man. Yeah. First man clears it out. Jack Harrison drives it back in. Deflection, flies in at the near post. Bedlam. Both in the stadium and in the pub. Yep. <laughs> Scenes. It was, oh God. But in terms of a relief, like it's up there with like the epidural not going wrong when Sarah gets birth. In terms of relief. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> Because I have faith in doctors. I have no faith in Leeds United. (laughs) That is fair. (laughs) Um, But when when that went in, like, what was your... Like, once you... Not you won't have had an immediate thought other than, yes! (laughs) But, like, when once you came to, what was your first sort of reaction? Blow the whistle. Blow the fucking whistle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Please don't give anyone any time to mess this up. 
Did you know what mine was uh, as a Leeds fan? I was a, I was a wreck. I just immediately thought Rodrigo was in an offside position there. He's gonna he's gonna disallow this. <laughs> he's gonna disallow this for being stood in front of the keeper. And luckily, they then showed a replay from behind that showed he wasn't in front of the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> but I still thought he's gonna disallow this somehow. Oh, it was it was such a good feeling. Followed by, please end this now. Like, please don't add on another two minutes for the celebrations and everything. And and the ref didn't. No. It was five minutes added on, and we played about five minutes twenty. And I believe that what literally the celebrations were going on when it got round the pub, full time, Newcastle have won. Yeah. And you were finally able to relax because even Leeds aren't going to concede two goals in a minute against nine men. <laughs> One, I wa- maybe. I never, I, never, <laughs> I never want to put that to the test. Uh, it was, yeah, I think at full time I may have slumped down for a moment. Yeah. Well, the players did. I mean, they were they were in bits. Rafinha especially. He, like, they couldn't pick him up. <laughs> he was just so welded to the floor. Jesse Marsh on his back. Covered in Mark Jackson and, and Toshak and whoever else is there. Yeah. Um, the picture of Rafinha in the stand will be on, on canvas on Leeds fans' walls for years to come. It was brilliant. Um, I mean, like, it means that... Yeah, there was loads of stuff that they've done wrong this season and it nearly cost them. But they've got a chance to put it right now. They've nailed it this season. Yeah, done it on the cheap. (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, I think there was a lot of... There was a number of people, obviously, I think seeing Radrazani on the pitch as well. Um. Yeah. Who quite his rightly opti- could have could have got angry. His that. optics would have been better to not come on. Yeah, because um, the statement the statement he said was one of the first decent bits of PR I've ever seen him do. Well, it was interesting because he'd been a bit active on Twitter before the game, mm. and all you could think was "shut up, shut up." <laughs> oh my God, why don't you shut up? <laughs> but. You know what? Reading reading the statement back in, and I think one of the big issues that I had about the the sack the board chance and and whether that's the, or you know whether you think that's directed to all of them, whether it was just to Arthur or whatever. In the grand scheme of things, yes, that they they got this season completely wrong. We have not hounded owners out over much worse things. Yeah. <laughs> Cellino got away with a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's just because we'd ex- at that point we had accepted being shit. Yeah, and we so, don't now. And and, and again, it, it entirely needs the actions to back it up now. But the admission that this was not success, you know, and and I, and I think had we. Had we had Southampton season where we were never in the relegation fight, that might well have been success this year. Just just the fact that we stayed up and never really got dragged into it. Yeah, because it's um, a bit weird. Because in, in the end, I think we're like two points behind Southampton, aren't we? But because they've dropped like a stone, mm. 
they were they safe. last season. Yeah, they were safe in February, basically. And then have barely won a game. <laughs> but now and and this will I think this is something we will go into in a week or so. We'll probably uh, do some of it now, but there'll be more. But yeah, it, it, it is a case now of making sure they follow up on this and making sure that we don't leave ourselves that vulnerable again. Well, speaking of following up on this, uh, like 15 minutes after the game, deal agreed for Brendan Aronson. Uh, it was 20... I think it was $28 million, which yes. I, I did convert earlier. It was like £22.5 million. Pound. Yeah. Uh, previously played under Marsh. Obviously, we've talked a bit about him because he was so heavily linked in January. Looked a good player. Press it. He, he seemed more of an eight in a Bielsa system. It might be one of the sort of widish tens for mm. Marsh, but could play centre mid as well. But again, that—that's a good start. Like I think that's that seems like a good signing. It seems like someone that makes sense. I mean, I think if you if you polled the fan base and asked what position needs strengthening first, I think that given the calls were to get a centre midfielder all season. Yeah. If a winger would have turned up, I think people would have gone for fuck's sake, lads. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's a good start. The uh, the same the there was also Phil Hay in the Athletic saying we are one of the the many, many teams that are looking at Calvin Ramsey from Aberdeen, the right back. Uh, he's he's very highly rated. He's a bit of an FM Wonder kid as well. Mm. But ev- everyone wants him. We'll see what happens with that. Like Liverpool want him and things like that, but we've got a bit of previous of getting those sort of deals done by saying you'll be closer to first. Like if you're a young right back, it's quite hard to imagine yourself getting in at Liverpool any point in the next ten years. No, it's it's and it's the case for a number of players. You know, I still think if you, I, I suppose now it's probably almost nailed on that Rafinha is, is going to go to Barcelona. Well, that, oh, that's literally the next note I've got here. But um, if you remember before when it was it was heavily rumoured how much Liverpool wanted him and you were just saying, like, look, I love Rafinha, but Mohamed Salah's there. Yeah, he plays in Salah's position. That, that's his position, like it's... I suppose he would have been coming in to be what Luis Diaz has been. Mm. And Luis Diaz has sewn that up now. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, the Calvin Ramsey one. The other... We'll come on to the last one in that last because that probably calls for some reckless speculation. So we'll leave that till late. What's the best kind of speculation? That probably is Rafinha's last game for Leeds. Now that we're staying up, it isn't impossible. Because with the World Cup being in like November, it isn't impossible that he stays. But I think it's 95% likely that he's going. No, um, and, and fair play to him. It's. Champions League football. Barcelona are a decent club. Yeah, because they still sound like the heavy favourites, don't they? And if that's his last game, good way to go out. Yeah. And again, like we said, I don't think anyone could accuse him of of downing tools or anything like that this season. You look at the way he plays, and I think he genuinely cares. I think you saw the celebrations both when he scored and at full time 
and I, and I think this genuinely meant the world to him that, that we stayed up this year. Yeah, it really did seem to. And the other great thing, and yeah, football is about more than money, but money's important to make football successful now. The relegation release clauses can fuck right off now. Yeah, what was it? The, the belief to be about twenty-five million or so. Um, so yeah, it really puts that to bed. Because if we'd have gone down, and, and uh, I don't think with Calvin Phillips, it would knock so much off his value because I still think that you'd, you'd have the English player tax on there essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for you know, realistically, you, with Rafinha, you could well be losing half his fee. Probably more. Like the, no. what did they reckon? Like. Mid, early to mid 20 million yeah like we really might get 65 70 mm. or at that I mean, point I you think could be losing probably... like you, you know, half to two thirds of his fee that you yeah, lose it's, it, it's massive that we get that um, do you now think because uh, we I mean Craig Butler did say we are staying up what do you think is needed for next season we'll sort of half get into that now we'll more get into it in a week or so I would think Mm. Um, the do you now think that we keep Calvin Phillips? I, I, I guess it really depends the team that's in for him. Um, with someone like Fernandinho leaving, and I know not, he's not been like the main man at City or anything like that, but he's kind of been almost their go-to holding mid at times whether they see Phillips as a long-term replacement in that role. Mm. Um, I, I really think in my heart of hearts, he, he, he won't go to Manchester United. No, I can't say that in a million years. Um, outside, outside of that, unless something comes from abroad, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where, you know, again, Liverpool might look at him as a, as a long-term replacement for... I say long term. I know he's twenty six, but you know, as, as the, the sort of replacement for Jordan Henderson at this point. Mm. Um, I, I I'm with you, but I still think the most likely is Man City to replace Fernandinho. Yeah, rotate I, I, with I, rotate with Rodri. And I, I suppose at that point, it just becomes it just becomes a case of whether what his ambitions are, because clearly. You know, he'll be, I think he'll be competing for a place in the England team come the World Cup. But it must also be really hard. They, what is it? They've won four out of the last five Premier Leagues now. Yeah. Say whatever you will about what the Premier League has become. Jack Grealish left a, a lower mid-table team last year and now has a Premier League winner's medal in his first year. Yeah. I'd say that's one of them. If if it was to Man City for an ugin of money, I wouldn't be grudging it. I think it's it's fair enough. I'm hoping he stays. But the other thing is as well, if it depends on the amount. I I don't necessarily think because it's not like playing FM where you can go well sixty million. I can definitely find two belting players. Mm. You know, it might transfers go wrong. But if the, if the money no. is like, if if the money is if the money is sort of sixty million, now that it's Marsh and not Bielsa, I don't think I think that's more than he's worth. Mm. 
just purely as a footballer. Now, there is other things that come with it being that having that homegrown academy lad in there, it, there's something nice about it. But being pragmatic, if it's that amount of money, I think it's probably the time to sell him. Yeah. My only theory is that I don't I don't trust Leeds to do enough with the money. Like Aronson's one of them, but that we might need on top of that another two centimetres. Yeah, I, th- I think you know you, you're probably looking at a case where Click and, and Forshaw become your two substitutes, um, unless any either of them wants to continue playing first team football and, and thinks they need to move on, which I, which I wouldn't begrudge either of them. No, but I, I don't um, think they would. I think they'd both be okay with being on the bench next season. Yeah, so it, it does become a case of, of looking at that team and thinking, well, if, if we are going to have two central midfielders, it, it's looking fairly set now that Aronson will be the eight of the of the two midfielders. Mm. But you, you would need to... You, again, you can't, you can't bank on it whether Stuart Dallas could come in and be the more defensive of them. But but again, if you're if your three players that are covering that position are 30, 31 and 30. Yeah. You need and Aronson's 21. You probably need to be signing someone about Phillips's age, which I know business-wise isn't the best because that's give or take a central midfielder's peak. Yeah. But you you can't have a squad that has age gaps like that in positions. Yeah. A uh, friend of the podcast, Ali, saying that he he's agreeing with us, saying he's been in, with the injury this as well. This, I suppose if he got another bad injury, all of a sudden, yeah, he's still a good player and everything, but that peak value thing has gone. It's been and very peak, unlucky with injuries as Phillips. Yeah, that peak value thing, if they are trying to sort of be Leicester, you have to think, what would they do? They'd absolutely sell him now. Yeah, this is the problem. I mean, I've even said to you, when even playing football manager, I do play with the emotional attachment to players. Calvin Phillips is is currently captaining my Leeds team at, at thirty one. I, <laughs> I I am less. I'm sorry, I'm much more attached to those players than I know you are when you play. Yeah, I tr- um, I, I try and be pragmatic. Yeah, I'm um, I'm not. I'm attached. Jamie Shackleton's still my backup right back at twenty six. Yeah, the, um, uh, the 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 first one we've been set is Ali saying Lillian to ransom. Marcus Taram is a good footballer for uh, Munchie Gladback, but might be a bit too wide player for what we need. Unless Lillian yeah. Taram has another son, by the way, <laughs> just because I don't know for certain. But yeah, um, the other bit in that Phil Hare article, you know, he said Aronson, Calvin Ramsey, and also looking at an unnamed. Premier League centre forward. Do we have any reckless speculation as to who that might be? Danny Welbeck. <laughs> it's, uh, it's probably. I, 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 I heard he was in Leeds. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, that'd be an interesting one because that could include any, still include any of the three teams that are, are going down. I imagine. I, I don't picture it being someone from Burnley. Unless all of a sudden Vidra is going to finally make that jump, but even then it's it's not the player I'd want. Um, 
similar with. By the way, I'm just going to just to say, um, is it Josh Sargent? Are we just getting? Are we no. just getting all the Americans? Lillian Taram does have another kid that plays centre midfield that I was unaware of. Plays for Nice. <laughs> I didn't yeah. realise he had two. Uh, I have. I will just take uh, Ali's word for it that he's some good because I have no idea. I've never watched him play. <laughs> no, I, I mean, clearly the uh, the midfielder we're not we're not signing is Bubakar Kamara, who is uh, who Villa have snapped up already. Villa do that, don't they? Like there was no talk about him signing Danny Ings, and then they just announced it. Same one, admittedly, he's not that great, but same one they signed Callum Chambers. There was no talk of it, and then he was just there. I think that was embarrassment. No, this this one at least there was a little bit of talk before it, but they've got it done early. Good player. No, um, and, and I suppose that, I suppose like I know it kind of works both ways. I know Dan James became available at the back end of the transfer window. I know Rafinha was a late window signing. Yeah, but after the season we've had, we need the semblance of, of that first team strengthened by the opening day. We need it early, I, I think. Yeah. Because with the fucking off to Australia, remember, mm. before the season starts, you want these in early this year. Which, moving on, July 14th, away to Brisbane Raw. <laughs> Whoa. Um, one of the things with the unnamed Premier League centre-forward, Victor Orta has his guys. He's always been like that. He's always looking at the same players. Mm. So my f- the first two names that came into my head, Eddie Nketiah, if he doesn't sign a new contract at Arsenal, which I think he will. Che Adams. To be the backup to Bamford. Yeah. And, and to be and honest... Che Adams would suit Marsh, I think. I, I think with a full summer, I, th- I think we'll go to the, the four, triple two. Mm. Um... So I, do, I think Che Adams would work up up front with Bamford or as a backup, and if you if they yeah. committed to Bamford and Gelhart for for a year, that's what I was thinking. That he would be like surrogate Bamford, and mm. that Gelhart just gets his chance, and that maybe if there's still interest from Spain, maybe Rodrigo goes back. Yeah, so we. I mean, we had this conversation yesterday. I think. I, I'm not going to defend some of the performances we've seen from Rodrigo and some of the, his decision-making in, in recent weeks. I do think he has been unlucky in as much as I don't think he was ever signed to play central midfield nearly as much as he has. I think he was signed to play possibly as a more advanced version of Pablo Hernandez. Mm. And, you know, like... maybe closer to Bamford. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's we've had we've had our moments with him, mm. but it you couldn't say it's worked. Now he's he's a player that I think is if he was on your bench every week you'd say that's a decent squad player. If he's starting every week, you think he's good enough. I, I think if you if you had a settled squad and a settled team. I, and he, and he had time to build a partnership with someone, I think you'd be fine. Because one of the things that I've said before about the teams that get promoted are that you look at the players they sign 
typically most newly promoted clubs aren't signing, uh, and, I'm, and I know they are fringe players, but players on the fringes of the Germany squad, the, Span- the Spanish national team, and a future Brazilian international. It, it, you know, it's not the caliber of player that, that those clubs typically sign. And, and one of the things, and, and again, we'll, we'll get into this at a later day and talk about Victor Otto's signings. When you look at it in that regard, I don't think anyone was complaining about Rodrigo, Cock and Llorente coming in, who were all deemed good enough to play for those national teams. I, I would say there was some with Rodrigo. People, who, people who'd do, watched more Spanish football than us. Do you think that was to do, more to do with the fee that we were paying or because of him as a player? It, it seemed to be more, this is a lot of money for someone who's about to turn 30 and also who's not always been fit and mm. isn't really. But, but there was a, it was people who'd watched a lot more of him than me. But I, when I first heard, I was like, great, what I've seen of him is good. But, mm. um, so what, I mean, we've already talked about centre mid. So leaving centre mids aside, what should be our priority signings? And when you first look at our first team, who do you think might go out? The, the first one, I, well, aside from the obvious of Rafinha and possibly Phillips, but in terms of yeah. someone to someone to move on, mm. I mean, for me, it's it's either Firpo or Urente for me, and I, and I feel horrible saying that about a player that's only been here a year in Firpo, but again, it hasn't worked. Yeah, but I think both of them come under if there's interest. You're gonna oh, make yeah. a lot. You're gonna make a loss on them. But I'm all that. Like we've heard, like what twelve, thirteen for Firpo. Yeah. If a team in Spain was willing to give us seven and a half, mm. you'd I'd take them. Otherwise, I'm actually all right with Firpo being in the squad. But that, but if if it's Firpo, that bumps us needing to buy a left back up to near the top of the list. Yeah. Because I'd be all right with him being the backup. Llorente, if we think Cresswell's ready, which I do, to be in the squad, I think it's probably Llorente that would be the one that goes. Because I think, I don't know if anyone has got more credit from the last five, six games than Gelhart and Robin Cock. Yeah. I think Robin Cock's been really good these last few weeks. And he's played just like in the last two months. Centre, centre mid, right back, centre back, right back, right wing back in a five. Holding mid as well. Yeah, he's, he's played. He's played all over the place, and he's been decent in all of them. Uh, so yeah, I think Juventus probably won. And the other one further down the squad, uh, Jamie Shackleton needs to go play football. Yeah, for result, for the sake of his career. Yeah, he has to. I, he has to go play somewhere. Yeah, unfortunately, he's he's not gonna. And it's sad that we're talking about this when we're talking about the club needing centre mids, but you know, through injuries and Bielsa's insistence that he sees him as a right back. Um, you know, it it's frustrating, especially when it's a you know an academy player. And whether it's a case of loan him out for a year and see see how he does getting a full season of championship football under his belt and then 
assess him then, I'd I'd, I'd be up for that. But I, I won't begrudge him if he if he wanted to move on. No, because he's just he's not getting a look in at centre mid. He's not going to get a look in. At, I know that um, Ailing and Dallas are going to still be injured at the start of next season, by the sounds of it. Hmm. But I mean, in terms of for right back, one sounds like we're after this Calvin Ramsey. Two, I think he's behind Cody Drama. And Robin Cock. And and he probably is behind Robin Cock now as well. Mm. But I just, he's not going to play right back and he's not going to play centre mid. So I think for good of his career, whether it's on loan or permanent, he needs to go. Yeah. Just quickly as well, I, I have a list here of the loanees to return. Now, admittedly, I cannot remember who is and isn't out of contract. I believe this is finally the box last bit. I believe he goes this summer. But coming back, you've got Edmondson, Temenoshkov, McCalmont, Debock, Bogarts, Casilla, Davis, Capriel, Paveda, Costa. Oh, sorry, Edmondson again, because he's he came back, didn't he? And then went yeah. back out. And Cody Drama. Well, uh, also, oh, that... Josh Galloway and Bobby Camwer as well, apparently. Yeah. The fact that Josh Galloway is on loan at like FC United of Manchester doesn't. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I, I I would assume try to move Helder Costa on. Yeah, um, it's another one that might, hasn't worked. That might get a chance out of them, um, drama. And Leaf Davis has a chance purely because we ain't got any left backs. Yeah, I, in my like, in, in my head, Leif... Alfie McCallum could walk into this midfield right now. <laughs> I've yeah. seen some things. Yeah, he's the only one. Those are the only two that I can see really having a chance for two fullbacks. Uh, Kiko Casillo, we need to find somewhere for him to bugger off to. Uh, although That's I do, insane. I do think that on the list of things that we need, I still would like us to sign an experienced number two goalkeeper and send Klassen out on loan, maybe. Yeah. Um, no. I... It is the issue that when someone like Melier gets injured that you are looking at Klaassen who picked up towards the back end of the of the 23 season. But, mm. you know, if, if you'd have told me around the time of that Arsenal game the Arsenal, in the under-23s that Klaassen was, you know, oh, we're going to have to play Klaassen the next week, I, I wouldn't have been comfortable. No, I'd have been terrified. So and, and maybe it is a case that we have to get someone like a Scott Carson in, to, you know, for the bench for the season. But yeah, like I've like, I've seen a load of people all over Twitter today saying go get Nick Pope. No, don't go get now. Nick Pope's a brilliant goalkeeper, but EV's coming in his first choice, and I wouldn't want to. No, unless PSG come in, you know, Kaylon Navas is going. They need a second choice keeper unless they came in and offered a load of money, and he's going. No yeah, the, the, there is there is no sense at this point, a club at, at, at our point in time, having someone like Melier as a number two, who already has this amount of Premier League games under the belt. Like, I, I genuinely think you, you need to strengthen your defence. And so, so he is getting the best protection that he can. And I do think getting someone in with... An experienced goalkeeper who's not been a number two all their career. You know, if, if like a few years ago we'd have been able to get like a Rob Green in or someone like that who yeah. 
who has played top level football. Because unfortunately, that's the thing with I'm just putting aside all the issues with Casilla. But Kiko Casilla has not been a regular first choice goalkeeper for such large chunks of his career. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd quite like him to be, a, you know, to be someone who is 35, 36, but has played the majority of their career as a first. Yeah. Joe Hart. <laughs> why, why would he leave Celtic? He's loving it. No, no. Um, but no, like, as I said, I mean, don't wrong, Nick Pope is a better goalkeeper than Ilan Melier. He is. But Melier's our one now, and we need, if we're going to have him, he needs to play. If someone comes in and buys him, then, yeah, by all means, sign Nick Pope. He's 30, he's going to be a rate keeper for a long time. Uh, but it's one or the other. You don't, you can't get away with both, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah, any no, other think... any other position on the pitch, you can sign them both and say they'll push each other, and that they still will push each other. But I think I just don't think it'd work. You need one or the other for me. What's uh, what's Northern Ireland's Mike Taylor up to? Has he got yeah. a return in his locker? In fact, Ali's just literally said Mez would learn from Pope and they'd push each other. And they would, but I think the maximum you're going to get out of that is one year before one of them's pissed off and you have to sell them. Yeah, unfortunately, I think, and and I, and I think probably in terms of ability, Nick Pope comes out on top. Yeah, and yeah, he's a better goalkeeper. And I think we're in the position that uh, for goalkeeper anyway. And I know I've, I've said before about wanting to kind of give the young players a, a more regular chance, playing you know either starting games here and there and making sure they're making regular sub appearances. But goalkeeper, you can you know, I don't think it's good to chop and change your goalkeeper. And I, no. I don't think it does anyone any good. Um, so I, I, I genuinely think we have to commit to Ilan Melier at this point and, like I say, just find whichever experienced former international is available. Like, be that will be a very interesting thing this summer is where does Nick Pope go? Because there isn't a whole load of gaps like, Newcastle need a goalkeeper, but it sounds pretty nailed on that they're signing Dean Henderson off scum. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't see... I can't see Villa moving away from Emmy Martinez. Hugo Lloris is captain at Spurs, so he's not going to be going anywhere. I'll tell you what, that wouldn't be the worst idea from... West Ham? Hugo, Hugo Lloris is still very good, but he's 35, and... I know that Pope's only five years younger, but in goalkeeping, that's massive. I just, I, I don't whether again you're going to get a year of either one of them. Oh, I'd just drop, around. I'd just drop Luis or sell him. <laughs> I can't say he's their captain. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think Luis is that good. Genuine <laughs> West Ham, that'd be the one. Oh yeah, they're still flicking between Fabianski and Ariola, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, West Ham. That makes sense. That's where that's where he'll end up. <laughs> now you've said that, that makes sense. In, in the same way that they, they will also sign a striker for a load of money. Kaiser Sport. So sure. Um, the, oh, we're nearly at the hour mark, so I'll bring up one more thing just to get us to about an even hour. I know that a lot of them have been in the first team this season anyway, but early, early thoughts, who are the 23s you think will step up next season? Um... 
I, I would imagine from the, from how this season has gone for him, I do think we see more of Greenwood. Like he, Marsh, Marsh seems to really like him. Marsh really likes him, and and it, before after Joffy had had that back injury, I was never sure whether it was Greenwood because Joffy's not fully fit yet. But the mm-hmm. fact he started both of them yesterday does make me think he's he's got the faith in them. And fair play, like fair play to the both of them, because over the course of the season, the limited opportunities they've had, Greenwood's got himself a couple of assists. And it's you know has been involved in goals. Gelhart has typically done something magical to either winners a game or keepers in a game with about ten minutes left. I don't know what the actual numbers are, but goal goal involvements per minute, mm. Gelhart will be top by yeah. a decent way. Um, you know, out of the other ones that have kind of featured, I don't think there'll be that many. If I'm if I'm being Entirely, Cody Drama will be the the other one that I imagine we'll look at, and it, it sort of depends I, on where I, him and his agent. I, feel I like don't they think are. it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible that he starts the first day of next season. No, and, and it it always felt like Drama and his agents' issues were more with Bielsa than with the club. But it will depend now on what the interest level is in him and and. Whether um, and whether Marsh is either you know him and Otter have got their eyes on someone in particular, or if they're willing to give him a go, yeah. you know, I, I think. Um, I just wanted to put that on the screen from Ali saying no one can. I believe his contract's up at end of season, and I haven't heard anything yet. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with I, him. See again, I, I assume he'd at least be worth a, a one year extension just the idea that he was and I know our squad has been short at times but the idea that he's been getting on the bench these last few weeks or pretty much since Marsh got in has been in around the squad to then not be around I think would be an odd one yeah but the same happened with uh, Niall Huggins didn't it yeah he got quite close and then got shipped out so it might well be on his end. He might be going, look, if I'm not going to get a chance, mm. which would be fair enough. But I'm, it, I'm kind depending of, I'm kind on depending on how many centre-mids we sign, there's always a chance for Lewis Bate because he's a good player. I just yeah. think he might be a bit physically light for this style of play. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm trying to think. Cause I, I think Cresswell is, if you move on one of our central defenders, I think Cresswell becomes your, your fourth choice. Leo Hjelder could be a backup at left back, I suppose. Like, and I don't think that's his best position. I think you look at him; he is a centre back. But um, it's. I think the issue is as well. We've done such a good job with with actually having an under twenty threes team that isn't what Football Manager becomes of your reserves while all the good ones go out on loan still. Yeah, but there are some of them that I do think need to go get that experience soon. Yeah. Um, I was about to bring one up where that's true. I believe he's got one year left on his contract after this. Unless you're going to push him right and have him be replacement Rafinha. Unless yeah. you're going to do that, try and get Somerville to sign an extension to his deal, send him out on loan. Because he can't, he can't languish in the under-23s for a second longer. 
No, and, and I think one of the things is even with Rafinha going off the bat, you've got Harrison and and Dan James who would be sort of your first choice wingers, and I and I don't think Somerville's as far off those two as it would have been six months ago. In this formation where he wants them narrow, I really like some of them. Mm. I mean, I rated him anyway, but when I've been watching him in the 23s, he seemed to understand it better than anyone, any of the wingers who aren't Jack Harrison, who has kind of got his head around it a bit. Like he was re- all of his attacking runs and the way he was driving, he was driving at centre backs, he wasn't driving at full backs. Yeah. And I think he, I think he could be, I still think he can be an option. Yeah. Especially now, especially now we're going to have five subs that you can make off a of bench of nine, which is a stupid yeah. rule, but take yeah. advantage of it. <laughs> it no, it'd, it'd be good to see it again. He, he clearly has the talent, and, and again, he is at a point where he, he does need to say it. either he needs to be at least coming off the bench regularly, or he needs to be moving on. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened this last few weeks if he wouldn't have got injured. Because he came off bench against Watford and then was the standout in the next two 23s games, if I remember rightly. And then was like, he was in a position where he was being talked about everyone going, this kid is playing really well. And then he did his ankle and that was... I'm trying to remember which game it was this season where he he came off the bench and he he did really well. I'm not trying... Was it Brentford at home or... Uh, that was he came on against Wolves when we got the late penalty it could have been that one because him and Gelhart both came on and did well he came on away at Newcastle as well if I remember rightly and did quite well yeah um, but yeah I would like to see some of the I, either way I want him to get a new contract and then either get a chance here or somewhere else in fact, I've just gone on to the BBC Sport article and Crescencio Somerville is the first person behind Rod- uh, Rodrigo after he scored the penalty. Damn so, yeah, it will have been that one because I think it was him and Gelhart both came off the bench in that yeah. one and, and did really well. Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to see that. Um, and then, obviously, I don't think that it'll... I don't think it'll quite happen this year, but I'm interested to see what happens with Archie Gray next year. Yeah, get him out on loan. <laughs> get him in now he, somewhere. The difference is he can play every week in the 23s and not go anywhere. Yeah, realistically, he's got he's got a couple of years where he can probably yeah. do it. Um, I mean, I don't think he's even allowed to go out on loan yet, is he? No. <laughs> you have to be 17, um, I think. Unless we, have to tra- unless we have to transfer him <laughs> to a different high school or something and, and they can yeah. now give him permission. But... Um, no, there's there's it, and and one of the things I do feel confidence about is that there is still some talent in the twenty threes. You know, I think you'll have another year of, at least of, of Jack Jenkins been in there. I think Max Dean is. Yeah, is I like that. We all like Max Dean, and in theory, another one that suits Marsh hmm. with his style and everything. So, yeah. He's one I would love to see get again, like not not at the expense of Gelhart or anything like that, but I'd, I'd love to see him make a couple of appearances because yeah. he's the and sort I'll... like he's the sort of striker you you'd want you'd want on as a fan. Yeah, he loves the press. Yeah, and once he's been here a bit longer and got a bit more used to it, it'll be interesting to see what Matteo Joseph does as well. Uh, uh, so yeah, got all the lads with the big curly hair now. <laughs> so yeah. 
that'll do us for episode 159 my podcast i don't know when we'll be back week or so <laughs> it'll it, we'll see what happens and we'll see if any see if we suddenly do a villa and announce free signings really early on or something like that uh but yeah vase has been a pretty shit season but it's got had a great ending it's it's amazing how bad of a season it's been and how good we can feel about it still. Because I never wanted I never want to be that person who celebrates a team staying up because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stay up. You're supposed but, uh, to, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> but like I said, what what was the stat earlier that we are the first team in eleven years that survived that started the day, the final day in the relegation zone that has stayed up? Yeah. Th- those are the stats where normally leads are the team in seventeenth that yeah. end up getting yeah. relegated. That that's normally what happens to us. Mm. So it's quite nice to be on the other end of it for a change. Yeah, to put into perspective how shit we've been this season. Because there was a lot of people showing that stat that was... Because we have not actually been in the bottom three very much this season. It's probably about three weeks in total, isn't it? Yeah, but we've never been above 15 for any point. No. No, I was looking at that. That's a bad season. Yeah, I um, I couldn't couldn't deal with that. It's It's been awful. It got, we got once you got past the point of it, once the guys once the injured players are back we'll be fine. To oh god they keep getting injured. Injured players are never coming back, lol. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that will do us. I mean, I enjoyed that. I feel so much better just for everything being done. The, the stress levels have been too high, and now they're not. So uh, yeah, I've been Jack. See ya. I'm in Casey. Have a good one. In a bit. <laughs>